Hello everyone, my name is Carleen Fairman and I head the Contextual Safeguarding Team at the University of Bedfordshire and this podcast is being recorded with Pete Allen who is the Contextual Safeguarding Researcher in their First Access Screening Team which is the equivalent of a multi-agency safeguarding hub or MASH with some slight differences that Pete will explain that we see in other parts of the country. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking to Pete about how in FAST they have been conducting peer group recording as part of this initial screening and um, assessment process. So, Pete, thank you for joining us on this Contextual Safeguarding podcast. So, in terms of contextual safeguarding and in particular peer group recording, what have FAST been doing over the past six months to a year? So one of the most significant things that we uh, have been doing within FAST is from the beginning of the project it was recognised that um, FAST were quite importantly placed as we are the front door um, and we do this extra screening, screening of cases that we had the potential to identify um, peer groups or locations as they came in the front door that may be of concern uh, in a contextual um, way. Um, for me, as my, in my role as the contextual safeguarding researcher, my role is really to act as a liaison between the front door and the contextual safeguarding team. Uh, one of the most important roles that that entails is um, that I control a, a spreadsheet, a database of group referrals that come into FAST. Um, a group referral really just means any referral where two or more people have engaged together in a certain behaviour, or uh, this could be criminal activity, it could be antisocial behaviour, or a shared risk um, from a location or a, a other extra familial uh, context. Um, so most of what I've been doing is um, collating and recording this information in relation to groups and locations, and it very quickly became apparent within FAST that there was no real way of recording peer groups. So we had a lot of information coming through about groups that were being uh, referred together and children that were at risk, um, at similar risk together. Uh, however, it was never really possible to record these. So what we've been so doing... So how would you have been recording them beforehand? Honestly, we weren't. Um, because of the nature of the way that the recording is done on our case management system, Mosaic, um, you could link children to other children as friends or acquaintances but this was very um it wasn't widely used for a start mm -hmm. um, there were very few records that actually had these acquaintance or friend links um, but also it gave you no context as to actually why they're linked or how yeah. they're linked um, so that was one of the main issues we first came about when we started uh, working with the project um, so what we decided to do was, um, so there's a functionality already built into Mosaic where we create family groups um, and this generally consists of any uh, young person under the age of 18 within the same household will go into their own group and this allows for kind of quick and easy access to see which children are living together but it also allows um, case notes and workflows to be shared uh, across all children. Um, so we have decided to um, utilise that but use it specifically for peer groups um, and it should be said that at the point where we create these groups they are all purely incident based 
Um, so at the point of referral, if there are multiple children engaging in similar behaviours or at similar risk, that is kind of a snapshot. The group we create is a snapshot of that group. Um, because obviously groups can change and they do change and they're very fluid. So what we make sure that we're doing is that when we're creating these groups, we are putting a timestamp on them, we're putting a date stamp on them and being very specific as to the incident that it relates to because even within the time it takes to screen that case or assess that case, that peer group may still mm-hmm. be fluid and change. Um, so we need to be careful with that. And so by being able to kind of create these recordings of peer groups, what has that enabled you to do? Um, I mean, first and foremost, it's allowed us to be more mindful of children at risk within a contextual um, setting. So when referrals come through the front door now, um, you can immediately see when you go onto the child's file, the subject of that referral, you can see if they've ever been part of a peer referral or group before. Um, And from a practitioner point of view, that can really help with informing intervention or um, advising maybe early help services or external services in what needs the child may have. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's noticed that children are repeatedly offending or being involved in these behaviours with similar peer groups, with similar peers, that again will inform the kind of interventions that are taking place. Um, And I think first-hand our social workers in FAST have already found it very useful um, that these groups are being created because there are children who are coming up time and time again and to be able to see at a glance um, that these are their peers, these are other young people who may be um, of concern Mm -hmm. around this person, that's now much easier to see at a glance. Can you give any examples of what that might look like if a referral was coming in and... Yeah, so um, we've had, um, there's one particular uh, case, um, there is a child who is a prolific uh, missing person, he has multiple missing uh, reports on his file, Um, and whenever he goes missing, when he has the debrief from police, he will tell them that he has been with a certain friendship group. Um, so until recently, uh, there were three or four names that he always gave um, in relation to the people he went missing with or the people who he was spending time with while he was missing. And then as recently as a couple of weeks ago, he came to our attention again. We received another missing person report. Um, he mentioned a person who had not been on our radar, not on that radar specifically. Um, but when it, his history was looked into, he had um, previous concerns relating to county lines involvement and was also a frequent misper. So we were at that point of the referral coming through the front door, we could immediately see that there were concerns potentially that this child, child A, was becoming involved with county lines activity because he was missing with this child who was known for county lines activity plus spending time with another core group who had similar concerns. And that is something I think that if we weren't recording peer groups would maybe not be missed entirely, but certainly wouldn't be immediately available to kind of view and um, risk assess, basically. And it probably rely on individual people being present who might know someone. Yes, exactly. And if they're ill or they're not there anymore, then you kind of lose the information with them. And it also, there's a lot of... um, 
there's a lot around young people not wanting to uh, say who they've been with. Yeah. Um, so at the point of a police referral, if the police have the names there and then, we can get that down and recorded mm -hmm. so that next time if the young person is not so keen to give mm -hmm. names or, or suggest who they might have been with, we can look back and say, well, actually, they had this core group. Mm -hmm. we, we can explore that and we can look at maybe if that was yeah. you know, who they are still spending time with. Yeah. And so what have been some of the challenges with trying to start to do peer group recording? I think, first and foremost, definitely the IT side of things. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, there was no... There was no scope for it at all at the beginning of the project um, and we're still, the system we're using at the moment isn't ideal and that is kind of a, a short term solution until we can get proper functionality through Mosaic. Um, and I think it's just a, with a lot of things that have come around from the Contextual Safeguarding Project, I think it's just a case of people not thinking about what's necessary so now we're in the mindset of of course you want to look at peer groups of course you know there are young people who are spending time with groups that are being detrimental to them and who are risks to them but that's never been reflected in the ICT in the kind of way that we're working within children's social care because that's not the way we've previously thought so that's definitely a challenge is trying to I mean, there's a lot more than just peer groups that we're trying to fight for with ICT changes, but, um, you know, it does take a long time. Mm, mm. And this is a short-term solution, but I think hopefully soon the functionality will be there that it becomes a lot easier and a lot more straightforward to record these peer groups. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, do you feel like you get enough information to be able to even open up the referral in the first place, or do you find that you get better information from some organisations than others when you receive a referral? I think it's, it's, it depends really. I mean, the, the vast majority of information we're getting at the moment is coming from police. But because, so we have our own um, police colleagues who sit with us in FAST, that they're not the ones who are creating these reports. So it's all dependent on the officer that's completing the report. Um, and the police have been really good at adopting um, the kind of contextual safeguarding way of thinking and they have been pushing their officers to complete these reports properly and the main problem we get is that if a group of children are say for instance arrested together we will receive an individual Merlin for each of those children uh, sorry Merlin police report for each of those children however they won't actually be connected right. um, and because of the way that referrals are loaded by our research assistants and information officers within FAST multiple different people could be loading related referrals but not mm -hmm. linking them up mm -hmm. so one of the issues we've been trying to push is for officers when they're creating these reports to um, either name every young person that's involved mm -hmm. um, or at the very least say this is part of a group um, because generally they will even say that even if they don't have names but there has been an example for instance where there were two young people involved in criminal activity we received reports for each of them individually, but neither of their reports mentioned they were even part of a group. Right. So that becomes really tricky because even if we're on the lookout for yeah. things like that, we can't, there's no way of placing that. If we don't know they're part of a group, yeah. we can't do anything with that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been a challenge as well, but the police are getting much better and our um, colleagues in FAST are really pushing it and I think that's really, really good. And have you had any similar referrals from schools? We've had, yeah, that they, uh, schools are, again, 
becoming a lot more, um, I think because of the work that Contextual Safety County has been doing with many schools in Hackney, they're becoming much more focused and they're thinking more widely on the contextual safeguarding topic. So whereas before we used to get referrals that would refer vaguely to a group, we're now getting, you can tell that schools are a lot more switched on in terms of this is important, that this is a group that we're having to deal with. Um, and as well, we're getting we're starting to get referrals that aren't specifically for individual students, yeah. um, which again is a really good thing because again, previous mindset is that you know, we are children and families. Um, if, for instance, there is a, a wider issue within the whole of year eight, for instance, mm -hmm. we would never hear about that mm -hmm. unless there were specific children involved. But now it's becoming far more embedded that actually it's still safeguarding issue, even mm -hmm. if there are not perhaps one or two specific children involved, but the schools are referring much wider, broader kind of topics, mm -hmm. um, which means that we can start looking at further wider assessments. So if you were going to give advice to another MASH team who wanted to start recording peer groups, are there any things that you think they would really need to think about before they started to engage with that type of work? I think mostly it's you need to know exactly what you want to capture. So some of the issues that we've had is that when we started developing this um, system of recording you know on the spreadsheet and within the case management system we were very vague in what we wanted to record so we kind of throw everything into a spreadsheet mm -hmm. and then very quickly realized that actually a lot of it either wasn't applicable at all to what we were doing or was too much so too much fine detail um, and i think it's important because Obviously all boroughs will have different case management systems. I think it's really key to see what actually are you able to do now, so what information do you have readily available, and how does that need to be maybe tweaked. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you know, we don't have the functionality on Mosaic currently to create these peer groups, but the workaround of doing that almost by like proxy of these family groups that we're creating, that allows us to at least have a short-term solution. Um, and similarly for the spreadsheet, we it's taken we've we've kind of had it running for about a year now, and it's taken a long time for us to actually whittle down everything to think what are the core bits of information that we need in order to make this kind of succinct and accurate as possible. Because the last thing you want to do is be trawling through like miles and miles of information just to find a specific point. So I think it, in terms of advice, I think know what you're looking for before you kind of dive into it otherwise you'll get overwhelmed <laughs> yeah and I guess to sum up what you know what would you say have been some of the positives of trying to work in this way and would you recommend it to other matches I think I definitely recommend it I think it's from a um kind of business support perspective um from what my role major majorly is um it's really useful to be able to have this information recorded because we do get um, people asking about certain children, have these children cropped up in peer groups, have these children cropped up in certain locations and just from the very basis of having a centralised way of recording this information I think is really really good um, and I can't speak personally as a practitioner but I know that a lot of practitioners within FAST are 
very thankful of the way that we've started recording these groups because again they can they receive a case in their caseload that they need to screen um, seeing the peer groups they're part of seeing the incidents they're part of may be the difference between them progressing the case for an assessment or stepping them down to early help or external um, voluntary services so I think it's really key that that information is captured and I definitely think that as far as we've gone so far it has been positive and the reaction has been positive as well and it's one of those things again that a lot of practitioners they already have so much work and so much paperwork and so much admin stuff to do putting something else on top of them we were almost kind of expecting a bit of a backlash but actually they've started to now record these groups themselves, which is what we want. We want this to be like embedded into general practice because I can't be the one to <laughs> record every single peer yeah. group that ever comes through. Yeah. So, but the, the reaction's been really positive because practitioners can understand that it's helpful to have this information on hand rather than having to trawl through reams and reams and reams of histories of papers and everything like that, especially when, like we said, a lot of referrers don't they, they just won't have that information which is understandable because this is still a new concept and um, but it's about making sure that where we do have that information it is centralized and collated properly thank you so much pete for taking the thank time you. to take part in this podcast and there are a suite of other resources um either already on the network or will sh shortly be available on the network which will document um, the work that's been done in the Safeguarding Hub in Hackney and that we hope can be used by safeguarding hubs around the country who want to um, embed a contextual safeguarding approach. Thanks very much for listening.